This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. There's a lot to do on a Tuesday drive. More chapters of what I believe to be the two best sports stories of 2020 will be written today. I'll tell you what they are in a few minutes. But ever since Christian McCaffrey signed the richest running back contract in NFL history this summer, the hardcore analytics guys, they're out there. And they've been waiting for the earliest opportunity to pounce and say that it's a bad contract and a bad decision and continue to knock it. Here's the case I've heard multiple times the last few days. The Panthers were 0-2 with McCaffrey, 2-0 without him. And when you look at the game, Mike Davis, he played pretty well, looked pretty good against the Cardinals, and the running backs who received these mega, mega massive deals, they haven't. Look at Zeke's turnovers on Sunday and where Todd Gurley's career currently is. Now, some of that I think is fair, but I still think the pros outweigh the cons of having McCaffrey versus not giving him the extension. So I'm an advocate for Carolina paying him because the normal running back rules simply don't apply to him. It reminds me last year, Robert, where I went to our alma mater, East Carolina. I am from the School of Journalism there, or I guess it's the School of Communications, and they have a major broadcast journalism. Not really known for broadcasting ECU, but I've often told young aspiring broadcasters, hey, it's... College is what you make it. Your aspirations can kind of get you where you want to go. And I remember running into a professor. I was being given an alumni award. And I ran into a professor that I had when I was in college there. And I remember something she told me in school, Robert, really stuck in my crawl. It ticked me off when I was in school. She said to the entire class, get into a career in television. Don't, don't get into radio. There's no money in radio You can't make a career out of it. You can't make a living doing it. And ever since I heard that, I was just driven to try and prove her wrong. So I brought that up to her when I'm being given this alumni award, and clearly I've proven, hey, you can make a career out of radio. And she said to me something that I think is really good advice. I had to say that because for 90 to 95% of the ones sitting in that room, It applies, but I knew for the 5 to 10% that it didn't apply to, it would not matter what I had to say. You were going to do it regardless, and that's the way I feel about Christian McCaffrey. Running back rules, hey, (laughs) you're right. They don't have the greatest value. I've said it multiple times the last few weeks. Carolina was going to have a shot against the Chargers and against the Cardinals because McCaffrey isn't one of the three most valuable players on the Panthers. They got KK Short back on Sunday. Russell Okun's expected to come back this week as the Panthers get set for the winless Falcons on a short week. And Teddy Bridgewater's the most valuable player on the team because he plays quarterback. Normal running back rules don't apply to McCaffrey. Other running backs, they they can play the position pretty well and they can catch the ball pretty well. Zeke Elliott, pretty good pass catcher. Todd Gurley, really good at catching the ball too. But what makes McCaffrey different is he's a slot receiver 
who speaks running back as a second language. Like, he could do them both. He's the best pets catching uh, running back I've seen since Marshall Falk, which is why it's incredibly relevant to bring up that McCaffrey's production last year, 1,000 rushing yards, 1,000 receiving yards, has only been done by Marshall Falk and Roger Craig in a singular season. The only comparable back to McCaffrey in my mind is Alvin Kamara. Because without without Kamara, the Saints, what, what do you think the Saints are, Robert? I think they're a bad football team. I, I wouldn't go that far. I think they've got a lot of talent besides just Kamara on offense. They've got a good defense, too. But when you watch their games, when when Kamara, a lot of the big plays they've gotten were because of Kamara. They haven't thrown the ball deep down the field, whether it's him being a decoy, allowing for some short underneath slants or outs, or him actually breaking tackles and having a ton of yards after catch. He's been a really essential piece. McCaffrey, meanwhile... I think he's the most special running back in the league. I really do. And I don't apply normal logic for special people. Zion Williamson. Oh, he has to really lower his weight. Not going to doubt that guy. LeBron James. He can't possibly lead the league in assists in his 17th season. Not going to apply normal logic to LeBron James. Roger Federer. No way he could continue at that age and be dominant. Nope, not going to do it. Tom Brady, 43 years old. Don't apply normal logic to the people who have proven to be truly special. McCaffrey's that. No running back protects their body better than McCaffrey does. We learned after he took himself out of the Tampa game. He scored a touchdown, by the way, and he said, yeah, I'm not feeling it. I know I'm not at 100%. I'm going to take myself out of this game. He knew his body well enough to know he couldn't go on in that game. We learned that that was the first time he's missed time in a football game since high school due to injury. Hasn't missed a, a, a game since high school due to injury, which means he played his entire career at Stanford and his first two seasons in the NFL without missing a game due to an injury setback. No other running back who's considered to be a star, one of the best running backs in the league, can say that. Saquon Barkley, you got soft tissue, knee tear, out for the season. Zeke Elliott, he's only had one season in which he's played 16 games. Same could be said for Le'Veon Bell. One season he's played 16 games. Todd Gurley, one season he's played 16 games. McCaffrey's played less time, less seasons than those backs, and he has two seasons in which he's played 16 games. He's forward-thinking when it comes to taking care of his body. He was the first guy to decide, I'm going to opt out of this bowl game that's not a college football playoff game. I think it actually was against North Carolina. He decided, I'm not going to play in it because I don't want to jeopardize my professional career. I don't want to jeopardize my draft stock. And a lot of guys followed him after that. McCaffrey, he took a lot of heat for doing so. Now it's become the trend. Plus, as we've kind of learned the last two weeks, the Panthers, they're not a bad football team. They plan to be good sooner than you think. Look at the division. Atlanta's about to blow everything up. I want to talk about Dan Quinn, and we'll do that in 10 minutes. The New Orleans Saints have a quarterback who's struggling to throw the ball down the field who's 41 years old. The Bucs, even though Tom threw for five touchdowns on Sunday, we know 
he's very close to the end. He's 43 years old, for God's sake. And while that's not me doubting Tom being able to win this year or even play next year, it's close to the end, and we know it. Carolina's the only team in the division that's setting itself up for the future. So while they might not be a playoff team this year, why not in 2021? If Brady decides to hang it up, and Breeze decides to hang it up, and Atlanta's breaking in a new coaching staff, who's going to be the favorite in the NFC South next year? It could be Carolina if they take the proper steps. McCaffrey is a player you want on your team to win with. You can beat the Chargers and beat Arizona with Mike Davis at running back, but I don't expect either the Chargers or the Cardinals to be a winning football team this year. So what ultimately is Carolina's goal? Hey, we have a serviceable guy we can play with against bad teams and beat them potentially? I don't think so. McCaffrey's a guy you want on your team. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with these other parts because when McCaffrey went down, we talked to Dr. David Geyer about the high ankle sprain. He said that's not a bad injury for McCaffrey because while it might keep him out for the next four to six weeks, it's not a lingering injury. It's not going to affect him long term. And Carolina can evaluate guys like Davis and Bonifant and figure out if they're long-term pieces. Or if they perform well enough, you could trade them, up, trade them off and bring in draft assets. That might be what's happening right now with Mike Davis. So I think it's all gravy for Carolina right now. You get some of the usage off of McCaffrey with him sitting out for four to six weeks. As Carolina looks to evaluate and rebuild elsewhere and you're set up to have better long-term success. So I still like the contract a lot. You can tweet the show at SportsUpDryad, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. A question I asked on social media today, what is the best sports story in 2020? This wasn't just a random question being thrown out to the wind. I do feel like there's a lot of negative stuff being thrown out there. It's easy to pinpoint the negative stories in 2020. But... There are some positive ones, too, and some that are playing out today. The Miami Marlins in action against the Atlanta Braves. I think that's one of the best sports stories of 2020. And I think the Los Angeles Lakers going up against the Heat in the finals, another one of those. Both are examples of teams overcoming great adversity. You look at the Lakers, the passing of Kobe Bryant, which led to the first set of postponements this year. You look at the social justice issues that almost blew up the bubble that LeBron was at the center of as the face of the league. The Miami Marlins, they were the laughing stock of all of sports. We were saying that Major League Baseball might cancel its season, or some were saying that, because the Marlins had an outbreak right at the start of the season, and with my Baltimore Orioles, they were picked as the two worst teams, the teams with the longest odds to make the playoffs or win the World Series in Major League Baseball. They were a laughing stock. And they're in the playoffs for the first time since 2003. And they beat the Cubs in that best two out of three. Now we'll see what they do against the Atlanta Braves. The Lakers, though, if they were to win a title, and I think they're going to win tonight, I think they're going to win big against Miami. I think that will be the central image we remember from 2020 in a sports context. A Lakers title. Kobe passing months later in honor of Kobe with the season dedicated to him, the Lakers winning a title, the most 
recognizable athlete winning a championship for one of the two or three most recognizable sports American brands and doing so in a bubble, which is going to go down in history anyway as the craziest sports thing that happened this year. So I'm going with the Marlins and the Lakers. Robert, when I think, when you think great sports stories of 2020, what immediately comes to mind? It could be the NFL with a lot of notable faces in new places. It could be uh, the tennis. Uh, what's her name? Coco Golf. Coco Golf was yeah. last year. Uh, she won. Oh, I thought that was this year. Uh, mostly, what I think the best story is is if ECU keeps playing the way they do, they're going to have the number one pick in the draft, and they can get that Trevor Lawrence. Guy. Oh, East Carolina can do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned my East Carolina education earlier in this segment. Sounds like you're using it as well, right there. Hockey's had a couple of nominations. I'm getting some Hurricanes fans sending in stuff. Actually, the head communications staffer for the Canes, Mike Sundheim, sending in David Ayers. Remember the 40-year-old Zamboni driver coming in and winning a hockey game as an emergency goalie? That sticks out. Tampa Bay, inspired by UVA basketball, winning the Stanley Cup. That stands out as well. So we'll take those submissions and we'll revisit that later in the show on Twitter at SportsUpDryant. If you'd like to send us a submission, Darren Gant, Hall of Fame voter from ProFootballTalk.com is going to join us in a little over 15 minutes. But as I mentioned, I want to talk about Dan Quinn because his time in Atlanta is about to end. And even though he made it to a Super Bowl and he coached in the same division as Ron Rivera, I don't expect the coaching market to be as kind to him as it was to Ron. I'll tell you why next on The Drive. Josh Graham loves to talk sports. He also loves writing sports poetry, but he can't think of a rhyme for puck. Oh, I get it. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. talk about the same thing everybody's talking about today, which is reacting to the Monday Night Football doubleheader and also trying to extract some second helpings from the Panthers' win against the Arizona Cardinals Sunday. I want to steer the conversation in a different direction because a few weeks ago we learned what the eligible Hall of Famers were going to be this year or who the eligible Hall of Famers were going to be for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021. Among them, it seems Peyton Manning is going to be a shoe-in. Charles Woodson seems he's going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. There's some conversation about whether or not Calvin Johnson will be first-ballot. I think he will be, but the amount of time he played is something that's going to be a discussion when that time comes around. And I look at this and I start thinking, hey, this isn't as strong of a Hall of Fame class as we've seen the last few years. Sam Mills was a finalist last season for the first time. Maybe this is the year that Sam Mills gets in. And I wanted to have this conversation with Darren Gant, who's the state of North Carolina's Pro Football Hall of Fame voter from ProFootballTalk.com, just to see what you think about Sam's case. Because I know you're somebody who's in that room who's trying to inform the voters about what Sam Mills and Keep Pounding represents in the Carolinas. When you look at 2021, and heck, even 2022, which might even be a weaker class with the biggest names being Romo, Steve Smith, DeMarcus Ware, maybe even a Vince Wilfork, how do you like Sam Mills' chances of ultimately getting into Canton? Well, uh, you, you've lobbed a couple of 
grenades in the hole that make me stand up on the balls of my feet. I mean, there were a couple of things in there that just caught my attention. A, why are we talking about Tony Romo in the Hall of Fame? Is, is there a broadcasting Hall of Fame that he's eligible for soon? Well, let's put it this way. Who's more likely to get in, Tony Romo or Steve Smith? Both very likable, but the numbers, are the numbers good enough, I guess is the question. I, I, I mean, I don't view, you know, some of these things are pretty apparent, and some of these things you can point to a guy and say, well, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, or yeah, he deserves consideration. There, there's not necessarily anything Tony Romo's done in his career that makes me say, well, that guy's got to go in the Hall of Fame. I mean, and that's not just me banging on Tony Romo. I mean, uh, he makes an empirical case with passing stats, but he's got no postseason accomplishments to speak of. He's been regularly unreliable. I mean, you mentioned Calvin Johnson coming into this, too, and and Steve Smith. It gets really complicated with wide receivers because you've got, you know, and, and that's one of the things that makes this process of going into those meetings and debating and discussing and everybody's voting on criteria they carry into the room. It, everybody's got a little bit different standard in their own head. How do I weigh uh, an incredible physical specimen who was dominant for a short amount of time in Calvin Johnson versus a guy in Steve Smith who was successful despite being, you know, frankly undersized and always angry about it and never playing with great quarterbacks. I mean, Steve had an incredible career. I think it's a fascinating discussion, but we're measuring wide receivers literally and physically in about four different dimensions. So everybody's got their own perspective on that. You started this conversation with Sam Mills. I could, as you might imagine, based on the way I'll ramble about just about anything, I can stand on the table and talk to you about Sam Mills for the next 45 minutes. Um, I, I think that even if Sam Mills never got sick and became an inspirational figure with key pounding, that he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. He was a defining linebacker for two franchises. He was the heartbeat of the Dome Patrol defense in New Orleans, uh, which was so good with Ricky Jackson and Vaughn Johnson. I mean, he was the centerpiece that they built around in New Orleans. And when Bill Polian was trying to put together a team from scratch, one of the first people he went and got was Sam Mills. Sam Mills created the culture of Carolina Panthers football and was the centerpiece of a team that went from an expansion situation to the NFC championship game in its second year. I mean, he was great at football, comma, and also an inspirational figure. Darren Gant with us here on Twitter at Darren Gant, if you want to shoot him a follow there. Looking at the news headlines, you got Bill O'Brien who loses his job yesterday. I'm surprised we're not talking about yet Dan Quinn being out of a job. Oh, yeah, he lost both his jobs. That's a good point that you bring up. Not the general manager either. Uh, Dan Quinn, if we assume that he's going to lose his job in Atlanta and the Jets, just for the sake of this argument, end up being the worst team in the NFL and, of course, let go of Gase, when you're starting to look at situations that might be the most attractive to a guy, say, like Eric Bieniemy at Kansas City, coaching Trevor Lawrence... Deshaun Watson or Matt Ryan, how, how does the how do those three rank? Well, it's kind of tricky. I mean, in in a weird way, my my initial reaction is I would want to coach Deshaun Watson out of those three. I mean, Matt Ryan's a very good quarterback, but he's getting older, uh, and, and you wonder how many prime years he's got left. They've also got they're going to be salary cap tight, or you know you can work around salary cap stuff. I think you've heard me on this soapbox before. That can be worked around, but they've got a lot of old guys with big contracts in Atlanta. Um, 
the Jets are a clean slate. I mean, while I think Sam Darnold could be a pretty good quarterback, he's one of those guys who's sort of poisoned now by being in a ridiculous situation to start his career, and you never know how long it's going to take or when he'll recover. I mean, he's one of those guys who probably has to go someplace else, get with a different coach, get in a situation to ever reclaim any talent he's got. And I do think he's good. I mean, initially I would say give me Deshaun Watson, but they don't have any draft picks next year. I mean, the the coach and the GM who just got fired traded their first two picks to the Dolphins for a left tackle. I mean, and they've got parts, but they don't have any chance to add talent around them for the for the short term. So in a weird sort of way, you could make a case for the Jets being the most attractive of those options because if they're picking first, they could have clear books in a hurry, but they're the Jets. <laughs> it's kind of like I don't have long-term hope for the Browns being good or the Washington football team being good because ownership's bad. And when ownership's bad and, and teams stay bad for a long time, there's usually a reason for that. So that's a long way of saying they all, all three have their pluses and minuses, but if you made me pick, I'd take Deshaun Watson. I don't want to spring breaking news that you might be emotional about on you while you're on the air with us, but this just came down in the last few minutes that Eddie Van Halen has died at 65 years old. And I like talking oh, no. I like talking about music with you, and since it is something that's bound to be talked about all throughout the day, I know you're just now learning about this, but when you first think Eddie Van Halen, what do you think about? Well, I mean, obviously, he's one of the most talented performers any of us have ever seen in any arena. I mean, uh, I was fortunate enough, if you remember, when they did one of their reunion tours, the very first show was in Charlotte, and they played at the Spectrum Center and set up shop at the Ballantyne Resort for like three weeks to rehearse. So Van Halen was hanging around town, and there were Van Halen sightings around. And I went to that kind of made sure to get tickets to that concert, went to that concert, knowing that with Dave back and with Eddie back and Wolfie playing alongside, I said, this is either going to be the greatest concert we've ever seen in our lives or such an utter train wreck and clash of personalities that we'll be talking about it for years to come one way or another. Turns out it was an incredible concert. That's a tremendous tragedy. That's a loss for music in America. I mean, however you want to say it. I mean, Eddie Van Halen was one of the greats. TMZ had it first. Now it's Variety. Uh, Eddie Van Halen passing away at 65 years old. Darren, I always do appreciate you make, uh, making the time for us in the triad. Your thoughts and your insights, your stories. I hope we can catch up sometime soon. Yeah, man. Anytime, Josh. Talk to you. Yep, you got it. That's Darren Gant from ProFootballTalk.com. I am interested in having the discussion, Robert. Is Tony Romo a Hall of Famer? Because the numbers, when you look at it, they look like Hall of Fame numbers. They really do. And I don't know where he ranks on the all-time passing list. I don't have that in front of me. But Romo, I think likability does matter. As much as we don't want to believe it, Terrell Owens is one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Why? He's rigid. He's he's not really well liked. He ticks people off. Romo's the exact opposite of that. And him being in his television career, that's that, that that's going to help. Where he is the most popular analyst we have right now. He's playing quarterback. He did play quarterback. He played for the Dallas Cowboys. These are all things that I think are going to help Tony Romo's case. Now, this isn't me saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but 
I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be upset if he was. What do you say? I'm sure his passing numbers and touchdowns and all that look great, but I think for quarterbacks, winning means a lot more in the Hall of Fame than it does for other positions like wide receiver and running back. And when you look at his win-loss record and his playoff records, they can't be – I don't have them off the top of my head, but I'd imagine they'll be pretty at 500 is what I would imagine. Romo has thrown for 34,000 yards, which puts him 32nd all-time in passing yards. That that itself – like, it's better than Troy Aikman, let's say. But that's a different era of football. For sure. And he did win a ton, to your point. Like, Troy Aikman threw for south of 33,000 yards – uh, Romo's right there in the conversation of Jim Everett, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith in terms of passing yards. But how much weight does quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys carry? That will be the question with Romo. All right. Let's get to Trevor Lawrence. Because every week, we got our despair for the hierarchy. I've got my weekly rankings of teams in the running for Trevor Lawrence. I will reveal that list. Next on The Drive. Providing you with the latest sports news, commentary, and analysis. Plus tips on how to cheat at bingo. Oh, 69. Bingo! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. A common complaint... I've seen about these Carolina Panthers is that fans have struggled to connect with this team. And there are plenty of reasons for that. Hey, I don't know any of the players yet. They weren't accessible at charity events in Spartanburg for training camp. I'm not able to go to games and have them sign an autograph or a hat or something of that sort. Plus, this comes on the heels of a complete overhaul of the coaching staff and star players that we've gotten to know over the last decade. Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, Greg Olson, they're not around anymore. And as Christian McCaffrey has been sidelined with a high ankle sprain the last few weeks, Robert, an amazing thing has happened. A new fan favorite has blossomed right before our eyes in the form of Robbie Anderson. He's been terrific. The numbers back it up, and before I get to those, it's mainly been on the wings of him being a viral internet sensation. Like, I don't know why I said it like that, but when you look at some of the things the last few weeks, of course you had him sitting at the Raiders game. He had over 100 yards, and he had a 75-yard touchdown in the game. And he's asking DJ Moore, hey, what's that bear doing? That became a big deal. And then we saw on Sunday as the Panthers had their new tradition of singing Sweet Caroline in the locker room, assistant special teams coach Ed Foley leading the way and singing along with it. Robbie Anderson standing there, and Robert, he clearly does not know this song. No, not at all. No clue what's happening, doesn't know the words. Uh, He also had a quote that just sounds great out of context. I want to acknowledge it up front that this is an out-of-context quote. Robert, do we have it queued up? Just... Something from the press conference I enjoyed out of context. You know, I don't consider myself a guy, you know, no disrespect to, you know, God or anything like that, but. I don't, I mean, I don't consider myself a God with all due respect to God. He's apparently, because of his Florida connection, he was called the sun God by some New York Jet fans. New York Jet fans are crazy people, and they called him the sun God. 
So that's what he was reacting to. And the Carolina Panthers have shared with us a number of his tweets that have garnered some of attention. And he's a pretty interesting Twitter follow too, Robert. Robbie tweeting out hits like this. Finna grab some clothes from Target and bet nobody be able to tell. <laughs> you reading these is better than the actual tweet. My favorite. Are one, you a Target guy? Uh, I'm okay with Target. Sarah Bradford's a Target person. She strikes me as a Target person. Uh, my favorite tweet of those was the Fast and Furious one, where he's asking what the best movie was. He's like, oh, oh I yeah. got, which, I got. Which Fast and Furious movie was the best? I say two. After Tokyo, I got lost in the drift. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a- that's pretty good. Let me read some more of these. Just knock a few out. I love that my lady don't need no makeup and run to be be- and nothing to be beautiful. Some of these are harder to read in text or read out loud. Power like humans on Grand Theft Auto with a crazy storyline. Do you know what he's talking about there? No idea. The show Power? Oh, the show Power. Still have no idea. Every time I see mall security, I call him Paul Blart. <laughs> I like that one, too. It's pretty good. I'd be vibing on rainy days with UM tucked, cooling in the house on a light vibe. With them tucked. Oh, with the when them tucked. Got it. Grammar school is tomorrow. Yep. Just just letting you know. We'll get to that in a bit. B dot screaming at me saying, Ain't nobody wanna watch the debates over over the NBA finals? You think people are getting COVID information during the finals? <laughs> the ratings are saying that. I'm not saying that. Anyway. Robbie Anderson. He's really taking hold of things in Charlotte. And I think he's becoming a fan favorite. Bill Voth. Who's going to be with us next hour? He shared some numbers. 2016, his first four games, he only had four catches on eight targets, 46 yards. A little bit better in 2017 with the Jets, 12 receptions, 24 targets, 204 yards, and a touchdown. 2018, only eight catches on 16 targets, 108 yards, but he did have a touchdown. Last year, 11 catches through four games, 21 balls were thrown his way, 131 yards, no touchdowns though. This year, 28 catches through four games, 34 targets, 377 yards, and a touchdown. Man, that's what percentage is that? 28 catches on 34 targets. He's getting open, and he's, he's catching at times contested balls, and he has a ton of, ton of yardage, too. So... I think this is becoming a fan favorite, but here's the question that I have for you real quick. What's more unforgivable? Him not knowing who the Panthers mascot is, clearly not knowing who it is, or Robbie Anderson not knowing the lyrics to Sweet Caroline? I can probably forgive him for both of those just because of the guy he is. I'm sure he would be able to plead his case in a very comedic fashion, but I think not knowing... Your flipping mascot? <laughs> like, what's that bear doing? Dude, nobody in this game is a bear. I can I can give him a pass for not knowing Sweet Caroline. Maybe that's not up his alley. I'm avenue. the other way around. Yeah. I Actually, no, I think we're in agreement. I take it back. Uh, I think uh, not knowing the mascot, there are a lot of weird mascots in the NFL. Like, he just came from the Jets. I don't know what the Jets mascot is. 
So he sees the bear. There's no training camp. You don't see him running around. Yeah, so that's that's understandable. Not knowing Sweet Caroline, though. I put this out to the audience asking what songs do that are what popular songs do you not know the lyrics to? Popular songs. Like when you hear it, you know the song, but you do not know the lyrics to it. 336-777-1600. I'm starting the bidding at either Rocket Man by Elton John. Rocket Man. We all kind of do that. And uh, any Shaggy song. Any Shaggy song that you play, Robert, we, uh, we're not going to know what the guy's saying. But we probably know the song. Yeah. No one knows the words to that song. I guess they no was Rick Rock. Rick Rock. No, <laughs> nobody knows what Rick Rock is saying. It's level, 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 level. You're kind That's of just it. bobbing your head. That's it. You're bobbing your head and you're making weird sounds with your mouth. That's what you're doing. When, when, when you think of this topic, Robert, what comes to mind? Uh, the first song that came to my head that probably doesn't sit that well with other people was Rehab by Amy Winehouse. Because like, the only line you really know is, they try to make me go to rehab, but I say, I say no, 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 no. And after that, everybody's like, yeah, when I, I come back, back, but really it's like, once I went black is yeah. the real lyrics. Like, uh-huh. I didn't know what those words were. I, I learned recently that it's, I want to make up right now yeah. and not make love right now. In Akon's right now, nah, nah. Yeah. For, That's a recent discovery. Uh, another one that I don't know if this is just not knowing the words or or if there aren't words to know is Mbop. Because, like, <laughs> I I pulled this and I literally tried to listen to the words and just, just try to figure out if you can see what the hell she's saying. All right, what do we got? No clue. Yeah, like what? There, what is she saying? It. There was a phase in the '90s where you had a bunch of. It's not rap, but it's quick talking. So Blues Traveler has a couple songs like that, like the end of Hook. You know, there's. I used to be able to rattle off that entire thing, but I can't do it anymore, and I'm not even going to try because that could be really dangerous. That's if you're thinking about really hard songs to try and sing in karaoke. Blues Traveler's Hook. Good luck with that one. Never seen anybody try that, and for good reason, I think. Ryan writes in Despacito. I think that's because that's a different language. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that checks out. Yeah, yeah right? I, I agree with that. Any, that's a really you could also pull out any Scandinavian death metal. I wouldn't know the words to yeah, that either. Check and mate. 336-777-1600. Hmm. Trying to think of other examples here. I think REM's It's the End of the World as We Know It. That's another one that I think it's just really quick. You probably don't know the words to it. Billy Joel's We Don't Start the Fire. Or We Didn't Start the Fire. Like you just go through the entire thing and you know Marilyn Monroe. That's that's a good example of one. The other one that I when I was thinking about this was Smells Like Teen Spirit. 
But when I looked up the lyrics for I it... I think I might actually be pretty good on that. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know the Nope. I don't know the words of this song. Yeah, I don't think they do. I think it's different every time they do it. They do hate performing that song, that, or did. What is the chorus of that song? Uh, Hello. Well, that's not the chorus. It, hello, 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 well, hello. Yeah, and then you get to the chorus. And the lights out. It's contagious. Here, Here we, we are, are now. Entertain. Well, it's, entertain us. Yeah, that, uh, that's the other thing. People think it's entertainers. It's entertain, entertain us. Entertain us. Yeah. Is it I feel stupid and contagious? Well, let Is me... that the lyric here? Ugh. I'm not really good at this game. I thought I'd be a lot better than where I'm at, but I'm not as good as I thought I would be at this game. With the lights out, uh-huh. it's less dangerous. Oh, we're we're already we're already over. Here we there. are now. Entertain us. Uh-huh. I feel stupid and contagious. Boom! Here we are now. Entertain us. A mulatto. An albino, a mosquito, my libido. Yeah, hey, that song. Yeah. Is there any other ones you want to add before we get to NFL trading card war? Oh, three three six seven 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 one six hundred. If you would like to chime in on this subject, by the I, way. I felt like there was always. You might know the words to some theme songs for TV shows, but you don't know the words to all <laughs> the words to the theme song. Like some of them are easy. Some of them are easy to figure out, but like. Okay, Full House, for instance. Whatever happened to I don't know the word. Good point. Leaping TV. I know this. Everywhere you look, everywhere. It's a heart, it's a heart. Need to hold on to something to hold on yeah, to. Yeah, you're right. I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Britt writes in any James Brown song. That's also correct. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of just like, yow. B dot, who's still doing the radio show from his house, just texting in things and yelling at me. Bone Thugs and Harmony. That's another really good one for sure. Uh, so we'll continue. We'll revisit this later because there's a lot of meat on this bone. But it's time for the NFL trading card war where we combine the nostalgia of yearbook superlatives and opening up packs of trading cards and trying to place players into specific categories. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to it, you're bound to love it. It's starting to take over the triad. It'll soon take over the world. Our NFL trading card war stacks. Hit it. Let's begin. It's on. The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. In the spirit of Robbie Anderson not knowing the lyrics to Sweet Caroline, we asked the question, what are some popular songs you do not know the lyrics to? Or maybe it's the collective we don't know the list, uh, the words to. Drew Blevins, the voice of the Carolina Thunderbirds, writes in and says, One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. Robert, that checks out. Do you want to know, uh, how many words do you know of that song, One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies? Uh, I know this part. It's been one week since you looked at me. Whatever, 
I've actually seen the Bare Naked Ladies in concert, and I still had no wor- uh, no clue what the words to that song were. So that's a really good submission, and we'll continue to take those on Twitter at Sports Up Triumph. But it's time for our NFL trading card war, Robert. Where if you're new to the program, we open up a pack of trading cards and we go head to head here, trying to pair cards in our pack, twelve cards per pack, and we try to pair them to certain superlatives. There are five superlatives. Whoever comes up with the better player with a given superlative wins that round. Who gets three out of five? Whoever gets three out of five wins the trading card war. Pretty easy to understand and to follow, which is why it's really popular. So let's get into the trading card war. (laughs) This means war! You're a tough little guy, aren't you? This means war! Hey, hey, it's cool, it's cool! This means war! What? Does it have to? Can it mean something else? Okay, you dirtbags! This means war! Finish him! All right. Just open up my pack of cards here. Before I start pairing cards here, we need to know what the categories are. Here's what we got. Most likely to host a morning TV talk show. I think we're looking for, like, the Michael Strahan. Uh, Who would be the best Michael Strahan in a given category? Uh, Most likely to show up late to work, but bringing in Starbucks to make up for it. Best American Ninja Warrior contestant. Do you watch it show American Ninja Warrior? I did, but I, I think the Starbucks one is like, why are you late for work? Oh, there was traffic. But they show up with Starbucks. Oh, okay. Like, that's a different the, connotation. Yeah, that's the reason you were late was the Starbucks, but you blame it on something else. Late to work, but is bringing in Starbucks. They're blaming something else. Got it. Best dodgeball player? And gives out the full-size candy bars at trick-or-treating. Is there going to be trick-or-treating this year? Uh, Honestly, who knows? Some people will probably do it. Some people won't. I will not. More candy for us. Yeah, right. I kind of just buy my own candy. Most likely the host of morning TV talk show, I'm going with Richard Sherman. Okay. Harvard guy. Stanford. Stanford. Stanford guy. <laughs> different bird. That's a different, yeah. That's a, a different part of the country, too. Richard Sherman, just really good at the talking and understanding. He's very worldly, and that, that's a guy I think would be great in that setting. He, he wouldn't mind stirring it up a bit. Like, he'd be great, like, on The View. A show <laughs> like The View. Just stirring things up, you know, talking some smack. Give me Richard Sherman. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Michael Strahan Good Morning America vibes and go with Russell Wilson. Uh, with most football players, you got to wonder whether, what side of entertainment are they going to go on. Are they going to stay with football and go to the booth or coach, or are they going to go into movies and entertainment? And I feel like Russell is the latter. He's going to go in and he's going to be successful because he's a former quarterback, he won a Super Bowl, he's dating Sierra, he's got a lot of polarizing elements about him. And... I'm going to go with Russell. Richard Sherman was on the same team with Russell and was more interesting. So I think Richard's going to win for that. Also, on top of that, Russell Wilson's never said an interesting syllable, so I can't allow for him to win. You don't have to be interesting to be on a morning show. 
It helps, though. Number two topic. Late to work, but bring Starbucks. I'm going to go with Jacoby Brissett. It sounds like a very NC State football thing to do, to show up to late work, uh, show up uh, late to work, and then also be wielding a Starbucks cup, saying that, oh my gosh, how did it happen? I was behind here. You kind of bungled things. You bungled your time management. And last year, I thought the Colts were the best team in that division, and they should have won the division. Houston's dysfunctional, and we see that coming to a head yesterday. They're firing their coach. Jacoby Brissett really missed an opportunity last year, just like the guy bringing in the Starbucks cup is missing an opportunity, you know, to kind of fess up and say, yeah, I decided to get the coffee at the expense of showing up on time. Uh, I've got Greg Zerline. He was with the Rams for a long time. He had a nickname as a kicker being the leg. Well, now he's in Dallas, and I think that that reputation precedes him. He understands that he is the kicker of this team and not necessarily necessary to be at meetings on time because, once again, he's the kicker. And he had a little bit of a rub at the last place he was at, so he probably has a little pull, and he feels like he can be late for meetings and come in with Starbucks because, once again, he's the kicker. Yeah, kicker versus quarterback. I think you're going to win that one. American Ninja Warrior contestant, I got Kyle Van Noy. Anybody you've watched on that show, Robert, it's not about just how hulkish or freakish you might be as a physical athlete. Exactly the opposite. You got to be detail-oriented. And if anybody embodies the Patriot way, it's Kyle Van Noy, who's now going from the Patriots to the Miami Dolphins, coached by a former D.C. under Belichick. Kyle Van Noy, he is a physical specimen. 6'3", But... Details, that's the most important thing. Preparation, knowing, hey, I'm going to put my hand on this spot, I'm going to jump at this spot, and I'm going to understand exactly what I need to do in order to get through this course. Kyle Van Noy, I think, is the guy. See, there's a lot of weight elements, and that, that being the personal weight, and that's why you can't be so muscly and bulky going in there because you weigh too much, and it's a lot more about muscle attrition. So smaller guys tend to do better on Ninja Warrior, and I'm going to go with Jamal Adams. He's not a large guy. He's a smaller guy. He has shorter arms, so less to hold on those bars. And he control his weight a little bit more. And I feel like Jamal Adams would at least get to ring that bell at the top of the tower. Yeah, Jamal Adams is going to win that one. So you're up 2-1 to one going into the fourth one. Best dodgeball player? Who are you going with, Robert? No, nah, you go ahead. It's oh, cool. no, no. I, I go on first and third. You go second and fourth. All right. Well, we usually do this thing where it's like, oh, we have to make it to the fifth card. So somebody can be, we can make a winner on the last card. But Josh, I should have beat you in three, and now I'm going to beat you in four. Russell Wilson isn't interesting. He doesn't have to be. Neither is Kelly, or, or neither was anybody on Kelly's morning. Kelly's really interesting. No, she's so not. is Michael Strahan. What has she said that's interesting? I like Kelly Ripa. You, uh, you like Russell Wilson, too. I don't like Russell Wilson. When? Since when? Well, you like this guy, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, you like no. to talk about how he can grab balls a lot. I think he would be catching balls, bringing teammates in, dipping, diving, ducking, dodging, and whatever the other D was, dipping. I think I got you beat because dodgeball player, I'm more concerned about how accurately you can throw it versus your willingness and ability to catch it. I'm going Drew Lock at quarterback, who also looks like 
Justin Long from Dodgeball. It's not like you have to throw it 50 yards down the field, Josh. You've seen dodgeball courts. They're not that far. And, and earlier, earlier you wanted to talk about how Christian has taken excellent care of his body, and he's a coordinated young man. He's caught more balls than anybody. I think that he... The supreme athlete between these two would be a better dodgeball player than Drew Locke, who is injured also right now. I know Christian is Christian's too. Christian's injured too. Yeah, but he's Drew Locke has not. Where have you seen accuracy from him? I've seen a lot of power. He's a quarterback. That doesn't. So was Brett Favre. Well, I'm was saying he very I'm talking accurate? about accuracy between Christian McCaffrey. I think if you put these Drew cards, Locke. I think if you put these cards side by side, Josh, I would be winning four to nothing right now. No. But if you want to win. You can say no, but I think if these people would hear this, I would be winning four to nothing. Let me ask you this: How important was accuracy when uh, when Vince Vaughn's character took out White Goodman in that sudden death round? How important was it? Okay, how important winning sudden would death it be? Between Christian McCaffrey and Drew Locke? How important would it be to have a player who is not going to drop a ball, who can catch anything? This is they my throw question to you: Sudden death round, Christian McCaffrey. Style. You're going to take McCaffrey over Locke? Yes. All right, Vaughn, you win. You win. Last one. Most likely to hand out full-size candy bars, J.J. Watt. I'm winning that one. He's the most charitable guy in the league, and he also would take Instagram photos of it and make sure everybody sees it because that's the type of charitable person he is. Yeah, you can have that. That's cool. So pissed off. <laughs> Ridiculous. I, I can never win this damn game because you're so stubborn. I'm not you're so stubborn. stubborn. Okay, put these up on Twitter then and see if anybody would agree with you that you won that game. All right, game. fine. I'm going to put it up. This is this game's under protest. I'm going to put it the question out. Who's going to win a dodgeball match between <laughs> if it's a sudden death dodgeball round between Drew Lock and Christian McCaffrey, who wins that? You should put them all up and I think you'd have a better chance of winning. 3367771600. Drew Lock, Christian McCaffrey, sudden death round. Both aren't blindfolded. Who's winning that sudden death round? I think it's Drew Locke. I, think I really you're do. lying to yourself. Speaking of Christian McGaffrey, the mega deal's been talked about that he got over the summer, and it's become under fire after Mike Davis's performance on Sunday. I'll defend McCaffrey's contract, but not his dodgeball skills. Next on The Drive. Want to become a real sports fan? Leave it right here. It turns everyone it touches into raging psychotics. All things sports. Well, sometimes. On The Drive with Josh Graham. Let's have a party! I love this stat Bill Vogue shared on Twitter of Robbie Anderson through the first four games of this season. 28 receptions on 34 targets. Think about that. 34 balls have gone Robbie Anderson's way, 28 of them being caught, 377 yards and a touchdown. When you compare that to his first four seasons, it's just an incredible amount of production and compared to what he's done in the past with the Jets. Granted, it's the Jets, but in 2019, 11 receptions, so 17 fewer than what he's had through the first four games in 2020. That's on 21 targets for a buck 31. 2018, he had only eight catches through the first four, 16 targets to get those eight balls caught, 108 yards and a touchdown. And a few years before that, only four catches, but that was his rookie season. So Robbie Anderson seems to be the number one target for the Panthers right now. And I think he's growing into one of the more beloved Panthers because one of the more 
popular things I've heard fans say in criticism of Carolina. Without Cam Newton, without Luke Keekley, without Greg Olson, and a new coaching staff, I haven't had a chance to get to know this team. I couldn't meet him in Spartanburg at training camp. I couldn't get my hat signed at a game thus far. I haven't been able to attend charitable events because of COVID. So I just don't know who these guys are and whether it's Robbie Anderson not knowing who the Panthers mascot Sir Purr is or him not knowing the words to Sweet Caroline or maybe even just his entertaining Twitter account. He seems to be a really beloved guy through the first few games. We now welcome in the guy who put those numbers up on his social media, Bill Voth from Panthers.com. So when you look at Robbie Anderson, is he already one of the more beloved players on this team? Well, right. I mean, as you were kind of acknowledging it, there wasn't a lot to choose from heading into the season because everyone was new. So if your job is content, like it's my job, um, it's been a pretty barren last few months. So when uh, a guy like Robbie Anderson comes along and fans start to embrace him, uh, then you got to jump on that. But none of it matters unless he's playing well. Um, you know, if, if, if Robbie has six catches right now, and he says something about the mascot, and you're four weeks in, and it's not as cute. Um, but, you know, so you, you got to have both. you got to have some sort of personality that makes you different, and, uh, and you got to play well. What's more surprising, that he didn't know who Sir Purr was or didn't know the lyrics to Sweet Caroline? Probably that um, he didn't know who Sir Purr was. I mean, I'm not surprised at that, though. But I'm not at all surprised that um, he doesn't know the lyrics to Sweet Caroline, and I'm not sure if he'll really spend that much time learning them, to be honest. <laughs> I'm trying to think of popular songs that we just don't know all the lyrics to. When you hear that, I'm interested in what comes to the top of your head, because for me it's Rocket Man, Elton John, maybe even like Smells Like Teen Spirit, or or something of that sort, a Shaggy song maybe even. Uh, what comes to Bill Voth's mind in terms of popular music that maybe you just don't even know the words to? Well, I just I just know it's a very old white guy song, so that's why it's like are you surprised Robbie Anderson doesn't know it. No, Robbie Anderson's like hip and cool. Um, so <laughs> Sweet Caroline is like okay, lots of other teams use this song, and it's really old and white. So. Um, <laughs> But listen, if it works for them, um, it could become a thing, which is which is cool. And I think, um, in all seriousness, I think Robbie would probably start singing it if they wouldn't to twelve games, because um, then you couldn't help but uh, learn it. And that was, that's a whole lot of games. I don't. I'm not saying I think they're going to win ten to twelve games, but uh, but but it is. Uh, you hope uh, you do. You do hope when that that your team can latch onto these things. That they could they could seem cheesy at first, but then. Uh, when you start having success, you, you start to buy into it. Bill Vos with us here. He's on Twitter at Panthers Bill. Uh, I want to defend Christian McCaffrey a little bit because I think overreaction swings both ways. When you're losing or when you're winning, people always find a thing to be upset about. And the thing a lot of Panther fans have chosen the last two days, looking at Mike Davis's production as a way of thinking, why did we just give Christian McCaffrey all this money if we can recreate things with Mike Davis at a much cheaper rate? My viewpoint on it is McCaffrey's contract still makes a lot of sense because normal running back rules don't apply to McCaffrey. He is a special player, and I don't think normal logic should apply to special talent. But when you're posed this type of question, and I'm sure you've been asked it 
quite a bit on your mailbag since the contract was made official this summer. How do you make the McCaffrey contract make sense to people who criticize it? No, I think separate him from Mike Davis, and you could always make a completely fair argument uh, not to pay someone at that position that much money. And I think the Panthers and McCaffrey would argue he's not a running back, and they have. Um, but that's separate. Than, I mean, you use the word recreate. I hope nobody's actually saying you're recreating what you have with Christian McCaffrey with Mike Davis. Because if they are, then, I mean, they're not really worth listening to or reading because – I mean, you're not cre- you're not recreating what Christian Christian McCaffrey is is better than Mike Davis. They so made the numbers. Recreating. I guess they're just saying when they say recreate, they're like, oh, hey, look, he had over a hundred yards and he caught the ball and he ran the ball. Okay, it's no. Okay, it's just yeah. I don't have that's the thing. I don't have patience for things like that. So you're not. I I will I will give the people an argument that that if, if people want to argue it was a contract you shouldn't have done, I will listen to that and I'm completely fine. But if you're going to say you're going to be able to re- recreate things uh, with Mike Davis that you can do with Christian McCaffrey, then yeah, I, I don't really, I can't, it's, I don't really have patience or something <laughs> like that. Christian McCaffrey is a special player. Should you invest in that position with that much amount of money? I, I don't know. I don't know what a good answer is. I think history, especially recent history has shown that it's perhaps not the best investment. Um, but uh, I think he uh, he took the money, and uh, the Panthers thought so. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, certainly the money could be used elsewhere. But um, you also need could use a face of your franchise too, a guy that um, also has all these quote unquote intangibles. Uh, he works hard and all this other stuff. So a lot more goes into it. I thought it was a misprint when I saw that Derek Brown is right there at the top of the league, second or third in tackles for loss, and the entire league. But that's what we're looking at. And Marty Herney, another guy who got criticism here locally when, hey, he takes Derek Brown over the guy at Clemson, Isaiah Simmons, who's struggling to get on the field right now at Arizona, which is a completely normal thing to happen amid a pandemic and the offseason's been strange and you're not getting preseason games. But Derek Brown, it seems he's knocked this one out of the park. Carolina had a need there, and he's he's been really strong, and this draft looks really good for Marty. But when it comes to his approval rating, Bill, how much is that attached to the popularity of Cam Newton? Uh, I don't think much. I feel like it's almost like our politics. It's like you either like Marty or you don't like Marty, and you can watch a debate about him, but the debate's not going to change your mind of what you feel about him. So um, people just people feel about I mean, he's, he's been here way too long for people to – have open minds either way. Uh, so, but I don't think, um, I think most of the Cam Newton blame in this market, to me, I feel it falls on Dave Tepper more than Marty. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of that too. And some even blame Matt Rule because of the comments he had at the draft or excuse me, the combine. Um, then that, then that a few weeks later, Cam Newton gets let go, but I'm right there with many of the people who say it's mostly Tepper, that's not a move that happens if it's not signed off of the guy who ultimately signs the checks. But with Cam Newton not being there anymore, I I just feel like Marty Herney, that's the thing ultimately the approval rating moving forward is going to hinge off of, where fans liked Cam so much that Marty, if he's seen as the guy who let him go, and heck, I'll even extend this to David Tepper, that that's something that will stick with him if, if for whatever reason, Teddy doesn't continue the pace that he's going on right now and Cam goes on to win playoff games with New England. 
Yeah, that's what people are going to think. But, I mean, I don't think Teddy... If people are actually thinking that Teddy... Like, it's... I don't know. I, I They've told you... Dave started telling us in December that this is going to be... Rome wasn't built in a day. Sometimes this takes two, three, four years. Like, Dave was saying this stuff in December. So anyone thinking, like, oh, yeah, we're going to go into March and April and keep all these old people and these people that have been injured the past couple of years with a new head coach that just got a seven-year contract who rebuilds programs, that's his thing, and that um, what he, his teams aren't very good at first, um, and they're going to um, add all these rookies on defense. So, yeah, they, they fully expect to be really, really good in 2020. Like, no one, like, who's expecting that? So, like, if anyone's expecting that and that getting mad that they're not going to be that great or winning Super Bowls in 2020, that, that no one's ever said they were going to. Like, this is going to be a build. It's going to take time and patience. Is it going to work? I have no idea. Sure. Like, get mad, get mad in two, three, four years if it doesn't work. And if you want to say, well, I told you right in 20, I already know it's not going to work. Okay, then good for you. You can read the future better than I can. I don't know if it's going to work. Maybe it will work. Maybe it won't. I just know that this is the plan. This is what they've said for months. So expecting anything to really be working out swimmingly right now in 24 games in with all these changes and with a guy who builds programs is a little silly to me. I mean, it's October. This guy's a seven-year deal. Um, this is They've said it from day one. This is going to be a build. They didn't say rebuild, but they're going to build something. Has the Panthers, have the Panthers exceeded your expectations through four games? Yes. Now that yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean they've been in, they've been in all four games. Um, you can make an argument they could they, they could have won all four games. I don't think I'm not saying they should be four and zero, but you can make an argument that they could have won all four games. Uh, what what area no, what area has been most impressive to you? Well, you just well the, what area is most impressive is that they're in these games. That's the area. It's like when you watch teams like the Jets and the Broncos, and even though the Bears have won three games. Um, there's other teams out there like I, I, I uh, gosh, Joe Burrow is fun to watch, but the Bengals are, are still bad. Like you watch the Panthers and, and, and you, you watch the Panthers and then you watch teams like that. And it's like the Panthers are different. They've been different in these first four games. They're interesting to watch and they're in these games. They're competitive and they've got some talent. These other teams are just dreadful. And that's, I think that that's what most people were expecting going into the year. So I got sucked into that myself. Like, Oh boy, what is this going to be two to four wins? But it, I, it just the way they've been playing through this first month, um, they're not so they're, they're above that level. Which again, it, that that doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're they're far away from teams like the Chiefs. I mean, the second best team in the league is far away from uh, being the Chiefs. But you know, they're they're far away from really contending. But again, that was never the point. Um, it's building up to get there. It, it's talk again two, three, four years. And again, if you want to say I told you so, that's fine. But it's all—it's been about this is going to take a few years to build something that's sustainable, and you're not going to do that in year one. Do you expect? Look now. at the Bills. Look at the Bills. Like look at the Bills have done. The difference with the Bills is they brought in a different—they brought in a new GM and head coach at the same time. So that's why it's kind of apples and oranges. But the Bills had to tear down, and they've built up. And look at where they are now, and that's what the Panthers are trying. To do. The thing I'm tired of hearing about with the Bills. Oh, if Brandon Bean was the general manager instead of Marty Herney, they'd be in the same damn place they are right now. Like, if Cam Newton didn't get hurt, let's just be honest. We've seen Cam play the last the last few games of the Patriots, and we saw how much he was missed last night. If Cam doesn't get hurt, I'm fully convinced Ron and, and, and Cam Newton are still in Charlotte right now. Potentially. 
Yeah. I don't know. I think everything kind of runs out. Do you think? Yeah. Uh, do you think that? Uh, do Do you think there's going to be a different coach other than Dan Quinn on the other sideline when the Panthers take the field Sunday? Um, I mean, shoot, Arthur Blank's had this much patience. Why not just keep hanging on? I mean, it. it Dan Quinn's had these had legitimate excuses the past few years, but this is another legitimate excuse. But like, my gosh, that secondary especially has just been decimated by injuries. Now that doesn't excuse the fact that um, four to five special teams guys didn't know what a, a proper onside kick is. But um, in in to in to blow two of those losses in a row and now be on four. I just yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it would be Dan Quinn. I, I think they would have to have done that today if they were going to do anything. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Sunday afternoon, the Falcons are going to have fans at the games just like the Panthers did on Sunday. Bill, it's just good to hear from you, man. I hope to see you sometime soon. Thanks for doing that. All right, no problem. Have a good one. You got it. He's on Twitter at PanthersBill. Shoot him a follow there from Panthers.com.